Hi, I'm Tefer Ajemian. I'm Hannah Bailey. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah! yeah! This week, we're talking about Tomi Adeyemi's Children of Blood and Bone, a sprawling fantasy novel, obviously set in a fantasy world, but that is um, based on Western African mythology. It's a world where there are uh, two castes of people, basically. There are those who have the potential for magical ability and those who do not, those who do not oppress those who do. Mm -hmm. Um, And it follows protagonist Zeli Adebola, who is a diviner, one of the people who has the potential for magic, um, and as she goes on a quest to restore magic uh, Mm -hmm. to her people. This is, for me, kind of a a new thing because I don't read Mm -hmm. a whole lot of fantasy, which is something we've talked about, and it was Mm -hmm. really fun, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you, as a person who does read a lot of fantasy, Mm -hmm. uh, has to say about it. Yeah, so, I mean, I yeah, I really like fantasy. Like, I definitely... Fantasy is what I read, especially as a teenager, um, like read a lot of fantasy I uh, still enjoy a lot of fantasy and I have not read I don't know if I've read any non-western fantasy mm-hmm. so so that was really in like this is the first of that kind that I have like of non not based on like European mythology mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very good and it's very there's a lot of really interesting things that I'm interested in about it as a fantasy novel so I mean the magic system is very cool in mm-hmm. this book mm-hmm. uh, it's very like different from other magic systems that I have that I have encountered like you you find often so how the magic system in this book works is that um yeah like tef, like you were saying there are um like diviners and then so divine and diviners are like visually differentiated from non-diviners mm-hmm. Uh, and in at the beginning of the book, uh, magic has been kind of wiped out. So there are still the people who have the potential to do magic, which are diviners, but none of them actually turn into what are called magi, which are like matured people with the ability to do magic. Mm-hmm. Um, but so how the magic system works is that there are the magi are divided into, I think it's nine. I'm just flipping to find it. There's like a very nice little infographic at the beginning. Yeah, no, there are are 10 different clans. And so each of the clans has a very specific kind of magic. uh, And each has their own kind of patron deity. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that is very cool. Because I find you often, like, often in fantasy, you have, like, different people have different specialties in their magic. But not to this degree. Not to the degree of, like, just, like, extremely different sort of subsets. And the way that magic works is very different from the kind of like point and make a thing happen that magic in a lot of other universes works so Mm -hmm. that's that's very cool Mm -hmm. um and it's all like and the magic is very spiritual in this book which i think you were interested in um yeah Um, yeah i'm interested in how linked it is to the gods yeah Um, yeah like and there are definitely like other fantasy worlds where like magic is like a gift from the gods but it's very like intricately connected to the gods in this book and and 
the the magi are very linked to their patron deity and like that connection is Mm -hmm. how the powers manifest it's very interesting Mm -hmm. it's very cool it was fun for me to be reading this over the last couple of weeks because Mm -hmm. this has also been a time when kind of independently i've been reading a lot about witchcraft and green witching like i just i just got the book the green witch which i'm reading and i've been sort of uh, investigating rituals and and practicing Mm -hmm. some rituals and just kind of exploring this world yeah that I really don't know a whole lot about. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the really prominent things that comes up a lot in, in witchcraft or in paganism, which is something mm-hmm. I know less about because paganism is more... Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I am not a pagan. Okay. Um, but uh, is the link to the elements, which is something mm-hmm. that comes up a lot. And then I was talking to one of my friends and she was saying that it sounds a lot like Indian pujas, which she performs okay. with her family, which is also... So I I just kind of had that framework in my mind while I was Mm -hmm. reading it. And I know very little about West African mythology. Obviously, Mm -hmm. it's not something I've studied at all. Yeah. Um, But I do love seeing those common threads. Like, I I do feel I would love to see. There's a beautiful map at the beginning of the book. Mm -hmm. And I would love to also see, and I hope this kind of comes up in some of the subsequent books, because Mm -hmm. this is going to be a series. Yeah, the Um, next one's coming out later this month. Yeah, I'm so excited. I would love to see like a map of how the casts of magic work, how the different mm. um, families of magic work with the welders and the um, yeah, healers if, and the if they're like territorial or if they're if they're yeah or yeah. I mean if they're if they're broken down because there are like higher gods and lower gods. There's the sky mother who's mm-hmm. over everybody. Yes. I'm really I'm just really curious to see if she does work because it does feel mm-hmm. like things are linked to the elements in a way. It does seem yeah. like there's magic that's more earthy and magic that that's more ethereal. Mm-hmm. And I'm just really I want to know more and more and more about this magic yes. system and how it works. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's some we like sort of get explained how it works, but not entirely. And that's the other thing that's very interesting is it's all all the magic is very grounded in things that are real. Like, the power comes from or works through tangible objects and things Mm -hmm. or, like, real concepts. Not even concepts, but, like, real things. Real things. It's a very tactile Mm -hmm. kind of magic. So, which is very different from a lot of, like, Western fantasy where the magic is kind of just, like creates things out of nothing or Mm -hmm. that kind of thing Mm -hmm. um so it's very interesting yeah it's really different i was Mm -hmm. surprised in reading i was reading up on the book after i read it because Mm -hmm. after i read a book this big this is a um (laughs) yeah it's a like 500 yeah it's like 500 it's it's more than 500 pages yeah and it's wonderful but Mm -hmm. i generally when i read a book Mm -hmm. i read it several times yeah in a row Mm mm-hmm and I get more and more. And mm-hmm. just with the nature of this show being what it is, we can't. I do not have time to read things as deeply as I'm used mm-hmm. to reading them. So after reading this huge book, I went yeah. and looked up, you know, Wikipedia summaries and mm-hmm. sort of notes and oh, just smart. tried to get some of that extra textual stuff that I usually get through really deep, close reading. Yeah. Um, and found that Adeyemi was actually very inspired by Harry Potter. In writing this, very inspired by the Harry Potter universe, which That's I find so interesting. interesting because it's just so different. It's such a different kind of magic it's, system. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's, I mean, it's a different magic system. It's a totally different world. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you're thinking about the magic in Harry Potter where you 
if you are a human, have to have a wand and you have a spell that you say and anybody mm-hmm. can say the same spells. Yeah. And like you can summon things out of nothing. It's very, very, very mm-hmm. different. And very different yeah. in that everyone can fundamentally do all of the things in the Harry Potter universe. Like it's like Harry Potter magic is like like academics. Yeah. In that yeah. like different people can be better at different things. Um, but everyone fundamentally like can sort of do all of the things. Exactly. Um, Whereas with this, with Children of Blood and Bone, mm-hmm. I find um, it's very close to the kind of magic that I know people who practice. Like to me, it feels, it feels really close to like, I mean, with the exception of it, you don't, there are rituals, but you don't have to have rituals. Yeah. But it feels really close to what, like some of the the magic as it is that I've tried mm. to practice or have practiced or that yeah. my friends have done like it's very tied to the elements and the energy of the earth and the mm-hmm. energy of your body and it just feels yeah. very uh it feels more believable to yeah. me yeah well it's it's much I was gonna say it's less magical it's not less but it's less like I don't know what the word I'm looking for is it's much it's, it's much more tangible it's much more grounded in real things yeah um, it's much more fan- it's much less fantastical. That's yeah. the word that I was looking for. Mm-hmm. And it's also well, the the how it's related to spirituality is so interesting. Like all from what I remember and can tell, like all the incantations are prayers. Yeah, uh, which is really cool. Yeah, um, like all the incantations involve like invoking your patron deity and asking them to help you do a thing. Yeah, which is just very cool. It is very cool. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that I found really interesting about the magic in this book is that our protagonist, um, she is from the clan, and so her kind of magic is death magic. And so I'm so interested in like how death magic is portrayed in this book and how it's imagined, because like I think in every other fantasy that I have read, um, any kind of magic involving death, like necromancy or whatever, is unilaterally for evil characters yeah uh like it is always very much like it is the we it is the thing that evil people do yeah is death magic well it's very much not how it's portrayed in this book uh and so it's very just like the way that this like universe and this magic system relates to like human beings and bodies and mortality is very cool yeah. and i like it a lot I find in in Children of Blood and Bone, death magic is much more complex. It's much less simplified. Like in in other Mm -hmm. books, I'm thinking of examples I have. You see either just the power to kill. Yeah. Or like with necromancy, a power to bring people back from the dead. But it's it's always, I'm thinking of Harry Potter with the resurrection stone. It's always something the souls resist. Mm -hmm. People don't want to come back from death. In Children... um, yeah, so like there's that and there's also like I'm thinking there's there's so there's a fair bit of death magic that happens in Tamara Pierce books. Okay. And so it's either like a thing that you were just not supposed to do, like it makes the gods angry and fucks shit up if you try and bring people back from the dead, or it involves enslaving the souls of the dead. Mm, okay. Um and so that's very interesting compared to how it works in this book. Uh yeah, in this book it really is the reapers who are the mm-hmm. death magic practitioners are are almost spiritual death doulas yeah yeah like the service 100%. the service they provide helping souls find rest mm-hmm. so one thing that i, I really appreciated in yeah. this book 
the afterlife system is very yeah, very 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 cool. cool it makes a lot of sense um mm-hmm. all souls go to like a peaceful place yeah yeah a heaven-like place unless you died in a traumatic violent way and Mm -hmm. sort of the way it's almost like the souls can get ptsd from their death yeah um and if they suffer a really traumatic death they are stuck Mm -hmm. in the moment of their death until a reaper can free them from that yeah and so the reapers real Mm -hmm. the sense i got is that their primary job is is to to, do that is to kind of ferry the souls to the afterlife like um Zaylee talks about her mother doing like a monthly ritual with the other reapers from their village to Mm -hmm. send the trapped souls on their way yeah um yeah, so that's that's very interesting, and it's very interesting in contrast with how, like I was saying, how death magic is in some other fantasy w- worlds where you're like enslaving the souls of the dead or the mm-hmm. bodies of the dead. It's like there's there's those like the 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 zombie things in Harry Potter. I'm doing a lot of arm motions. What are they um, called? Uh, well, wow, I can't remember. I can't believe I can't remember this, but I don't it's remember. It's something with an N. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Yeah, it's something like Neferi or... Anyways, it's... Something- Inferi. Inferi. Yes. So so that's usually how, how that is is characterized other places. But this is when it's it's basically like... Yeah, in, in the process of freeing these souls, you can you can ask them for a short time to, to manifest and do something for you on yeah. Earth. And then... And then they go on. Mm-hmm. So and so it's, it's a very, a very different picture of yeah, that. Yeah, it's sort of transactional. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to help you, but first, can you help me? Yeah. Um, and that means they're, like, happy to do it. And you Yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah, it's it's very cool. Um, I really, I really love that. I do feel mm-hmm. that that's a really kind of um, one of the things that really sets this fantasy apart to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like it's something that sets it apart from fantasy based in european mythology Mm -hmm. but i don't know enough about mythology to say that with great confidence Mm -hmm. um but i do find that it's something that sets it apart from fantasies that are set in kind of uh a contemporary mindset a contemporary western mindset Mm -hmm. where death is just bad 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 yes um yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was thinking a lot about that as well. It's like death death is part of the life cycle. Yeah. And it's not something inherently yeah, inherently evil or bad. It's something that happens. I think that's one of the places that the religious system really comes into play in this book. Mm-hmm. And really provides hope. So so yeah. one of the trajectories we haven't talked about is that at the beginning of the novel, mm-hmm. the assumption is that the gods are dead or yes. never existed. Yes. Um, there was a big uh, state coup that sort of mm-hmm. completely oppressed the Magi, took yeah. away their power, well, uh, oppressed the div- diviners. Well, how it's, how it's portrayed, um, just, sorry, <laughs> I think this sure. is an important distinction. How it's portrayed at the beginning is that magic went away. Yeah. And and we don't know, so it was assumed that, like, that happened because the gods died or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then that was what kind of allowed the state to then come in and... That's a very good distinction. That, I um, think, is is a distinction that I missed. Yeah. Yeah, at least I'm pretty sure that that's no, how no, it's portrayed at the beginning. You're absolutely right. Um, I just I just missed it. Thank you for articulating that. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah, cuz it's very it's it's very like 
it it's very much portrayed like Zaley thinks about it a lot that like the reason why what what's what's it called the um that there's a word that they use to describe that time it's the oh my god I can't believe I'm also forgetting this yeah it's um say it all the time but anyway so that event like she thinks a lot about it and how it would have been so different if her her mother specifically but the magi in general had had their powers when that had happened yes and the only reason that yeah. the devastation was able to be wrought was because they couldn't fight back yeah oh i missed this i'm i'm looking at the beginning of the book because oh, i was gonna try to find that that like, name and fun. i missed this beginning breakdown of the magi clans i mm-hmm. really i wish i had not missed this <laughs> um yeah i like that mm-hmm. i like this a lot because it yeah. has all the clans what they're in charge of and who their deity is Mm -hmm. uh so you do have you have okay so you have like water fire air iron and earth Mm -hmm. um and then darkness and light health and disease time animals um and also mind spirit and dreams yes yeah mind spirit and dreams and life and death Mm-hmm. Okay, neat. So it's like the elements are represented and then also other things. Other things in the natural um, world, yeah. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah. It's a very it's a very cool match. Sorry so. to interrupt. I just <laughs> noticed that and got very excited. It's really um, it's really good. Um yeah, so the idea is that magic disappeared for some reason or another. Mm-hmm. And what what really happened as we find out is that the government discovered a way to destroy steal it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and keep it away yeah. from the people who have a right to it. Mm-hmm. And the, the recurring message from the government is just that it is not safe for magic to exist. Yeah. But what kind of kept striking me again and again during this is mm-hmm. like, well, magic does exist. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if it's too dangerous or not. It's not something you can deny existence to. Yeah. Also the poignancy of like... The, the the moment when they when they realize that the gods aren't dead or turned away, that they were that the connection between them was severed intentionally by malicious forces mm-hmm. is very powerful. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I was thinking about, sort of as you were talking about this, it's very interesting and I think very realistic about how the because in most fantasy worlds not everyone has magic. That's yeah. pretty standard. Um but not a lot of fantasy that I've read, at least, explores what the kind of social implications of that are. Mm-hmm. The only thing that Graceling sort of does... Oh, I kept drawing parallels to Graceling. I think they're mm-hmm. very similar. Yeah. Yeah. So so in Graceling, the graced people, which is... It's not exactly magic, but it's sort of similar to magic. Yeah. Um, it's, not, it's not called magic, but it's magic. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the grace people are are shunned and semi enslaved, but but it's very th- this kind of takes it to a different level, um, and I think a very a very re- unfortunately very realistic one, which is where kind of the government sees that other people have power that they don't have and are very scared of it. And so they oppress the hell out of the people who have power. Yeah, well, I think there, when we talk about the power dynamics, people having power, the government suppressing it, we need to talk about um, Tomi Adeyemi's stated purpose, inspiration behind this book, which is um, police brutality towards black people, Mm -hmm. especially black children. Yeah. 
And we do see violence against children come up again and again in this book. Yes. Children who are perceived as threatening because of what they look like. Yes. um, Because of the potential they have. And that's Mm -hmm. that's a clear parallel. Uh, Yeah. That's that's a non-ignorable parallel Mm -hmm. um, is that that this is about people who are given power by the state seeing people who are who threaten that power in some way mm-hmm. even when they're small children and only seeing the threat and not yeah. seeing the people yeah, yeah yeah and it's very i mean it's so powerful because well i mean it's just a powerful concept but i think it the the, the world building makes that so present because so in in this event where the government kind of put down magic they so you only develop magic once you're 13 so they essentially killed everyone over the age of 13 who had mm-hmm. the ability to do magic, but they, they left the children who hadn't come into their powers yet alive. So everyone who is a diviner, I think it happened 10 years ago in this. So yeah. everyone who is a diviner is under the age of like 23. With the exception of like a few people who escaped who the escaped, massacre. Yeah, like one or two. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, that's it. They, um mm-hmm. Man, somehow somehow that like didn't make its impact on me until just now. Mm-hmm. That it really was just wiping out all yeah. all of the adults. And um, and it <clears throat> does it does seem like magic is heritable pretty strongly in this Yeah. Um universe. So so what the implications of that are that most of the, the survivors are, are orphans as well. Mm-hmm. So Zaylee, the main character, only her mother was a Magi. Yeah. But it sound at least I got the impression that that was somewhat unusual. That's one of another one of the questions I have that I hope yeah. gets fleshed out a little more fully in some of the later books is how mm-hmm. inheritance of magic works. Yeah. Because we also see characters in this book who develop powers later. Yes. Who did not develop powers at 13, whose hair was not white at birth, marking mm-hmm. them as diviners yeah i want to know more about the mechanics of how that happens yes i want to know i want to know how we see two characters who are in their late teens slash early 20s yeah i don't have a super strong read on their ages developing magic when they come in contact with a powerful magical object Mm -hmm. and i'm very 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 curious about how that works out if you have to have it in your ancestry or if perhaps Everyone, the Kusidan and the Diviners, mm. and everyone has the potential, oh. which would be really interesting, right? Because yeah. that would totally break down that system. That would totally change everything, yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward That's to seeing very more interesting. of that. Yeah. I did want to pick yeah. up on the religious strain one more time yeah. and the death magic before mm-hmm. we finish that and move on to other things. Yeah. When they realize, when Zeli realizes that the gods mm. are not dead, the gods are still there, that connection yeah. is still possible, that gives. The possibility of afterlife, the afterlife that people believe in, that her mother believed in. Yes. And um, I feel that 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 is such an important piece. It gives Mm -hmm. the security because this book is full of death. Like so many people die in this book. It's very sad. It's very hard. It's very deliberately so Mm -hmm. because lots of people die in life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I find there's something so powerful about restoring that mythology to its place restoring um like the certainty that the potential exists well the potential for peaceful for peaceful death too also because this government has been just slaughtering people for years Mm -hmm. 
And without the um, reapers doing their monthly ritual, the implications of that are that there are just thousands upon thousands of suffering souls who can't pass on. Mm -hmm. Um, And I imagine that for somebody raised in that faith, raised with those beliefs, and then Mm -hmm. kind of being like, I guess that doesn't exist. There's just this this question mark. I mean, in this world, clearly the gods exist. That's, that's, you know, a foregone conclusion in this Mm -hmm. book. But it's so important for people to have whatever they believe in, you know, having some mm-hmm. kind of certainty, even if even if it's certainty that life yeah. ends and then it's darkness, you know. Yeah. That's such an important human need. Yeah. Like having the the spirituality segment in your wheel of life kind of filled mm-hmm. in. And um, I find that restoration of mythology is really powerful. Yeah. I especially find this restoration of mythology really powerful when we look at it in a colonial world where for the last several centuries um, one major faith system has been going around and trying to wipe out other people's faith systems yeah especially West African yeah (laughs) faith systems Um, and I find that it's extremely empowering to Mm -hmm. say our deities were here all along. Our system was here all along. It did not get stamped out by the state who is trying to stamp us out. Mm-hmm. You know, our sky mama is still here. It's like, still here, yeah. That, I find, is a an enormously powerful message in the book. Mm-hmm. And I do find that often fantasy... So fantasy, I think, always provides um, social criticism. Oh, yeah. Always. I do find that fantasy often sidesteps talking about... <sighs> Religious oppression, I guess. I, d- I don't know if this mm-hmm. this is related to what you're talking about, but most fantasy, I find either doesn't really have a religious system mm-hmm. or has a very... It, it does not have a Western monotheistic religious system. Right. Usually. Right. Usually it has a pantheistic religious system. Yeah. And usually... And, and by nature, pantheistic religious systems are usually more flexible and more open to other people also having their religious systems than monotheistic mm-hmm. ones are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think what I was going to say is just that I find it, I find that including a pantheistic, sort of mythologically tinged mm-hmm. religious system resurging being absolutely affirmed as real, being yeah. absolutely affirmed as powerful. I find mm-hmm. that so important for our world today. Yeah. So yep. like I've been thinking a lot because I do. So I practice yoga and mm-hmm. I have like some rituals that I perform that are mm-hmm. uh, based in pagan rituals. And because of that, I try very hard to like look up a lot of practitioners of color. So yeah. yoga, yoga practitioners mm-hmm. who are women of color, people of color. Um, mm-hmm. And I read a lot about decolonizing your practices Mm -hmm. and just religion is so colonized yes and i think it's really powerful to see a message of sort of decolonizing religion yeah and really reasserting Mm -hmm. um, religion is a decolonizing force in this yes yeah precisely Uh (laughs) that's exactly it yeah yeah and i love that i love seeing that because one of the things that Mm -hmm. um leila uh, Leila Said, who mm-hmm. does a lot of, she does the like women and white supremacy um, project, basically, okay. where it's it's 
educating white women to not be racist and it is uh, an incredible amount of work that she does Mm -hmm. but one of the things she says a lot is you know white women often say well I don't have any culture I don't have any tradition Mm -hmm. so it's not fair to say that I can't take your tradition and and your spirituality and do your sage smudging and burn your palo santo and and what she says is find your pre-colonized tradition yeah you know find your paganism that's rooted where you come from Mm -hmm. figure out your roots don't say i'm rootless Mm -hmm. because something she says is is like when white people say they don't have culture what they mean is white supremacy is their culture yeah (laughs) so you need to find a way to get away from white supremacy being your culture i mean all this to say i have been i have been really engaging and interacting with paganism and and Mm -hmm. trying to sort of decolonize my brain around Mm -hmm. spirituality and religion and um i found this book immensely empowering and helpful in that and Mm -hmm. i think it's really beautiful and i'm very glad that adiyami included gods i'm tom zalatni host and producer of Up for Discussion, a long-running comedy podcast on the Upford Network. Every week, me and my team of hilarious improvisers use audience-submitted questions to dive deep and delicious into every topic under the sun. Nothing is off-limits. The audience has full control. It's like going to an improv show, only it's in your ears, and nobody's asking to see a scene about sex toys. Hopefully. One reviewer called it an underappreciated cult classic, Another reviewer called it not a very compelling product. Go check it out and see for yourself. The Up for Discussion podcast. Available wherever fine podcasts are sold. The other, and I don't know if I have like a thought about the significance of this, but something that I was interested in that I noticed with this book as in the context of other fantasy books and as a fantasy book is there is not a lot of exposition about Mm. the world and how the world works, which is interesting because usually that is something that happens a lot in fantasy books is they feel the need to explain to you how everything works. Um, And I remember I noticed this because I like, I at first was like, why aren't you explaining what these things are to (laughs) me? Um, Like there are the, the one specific thing I'm thinking of is the animals that are in this world. Yeah. Are, they're all like, so you, you don't get a lot of explanation of what they're like. It seems like they're all, they're like animals, like indigenous to West Africa, but also a little bit different. And I'm, it, it's very interesting. And it's interesting how they are never like actually described mm-hmm. because I feel like in most fantasy worlds they would be. And I just find that interesting how you're kind of dumped into the world without... It's almost like the book treats it like you should know what these things are already. Yes. Which is very interesting. And I, I, I cool. found that. I had a few of those moments yeah. for me. It was mostly with geography. Okay, like there's yeah. a point where they're talking about getting to the island that appears once every 10 years to perform the ritual. Mm-hmm. And everybody's saying it takes three days to get there. There's nowhere we can get there in time. Yeah. And somebody out of nowhere is like, well, it doesn't take three days to get to, um, to, get to Gimeta. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, what's that? Like that nobody has ever talked about that before. Like what? What are we talking? What? Um, mm-hmm. But that's it. Like, yeah. And everybody's like, "Oh yeah, of course." Yeah. But I kind of like. Like I struggle. Yeah. Like, in that moment, at first, I was like, "Oh come on, <laughs> give this to me. Don't make me work." <laughs> yeah. No, I struggled with it at the beginning, yeah. but then I kind of liked it. I I really struggled with it. it. Was like I was like, "Okay, you're talking about these animals, and you're telling me like a little bit about them and what they're like. I want you to just like give me an itemized description of exactly what this animal right. looks like, so I can picture it. Please and thank you." The impression I got, <laughs> yes, was very large prey cats, like yes. lions, tigers, snow leopards, 
I imagine them as huge, but then she said that she looked up, like, how long would it take a lion to walk here? So I mm. think they're actually normal size. I think they're a little bit bigger because, like, three of them ride can ride them. comfortably on the lion air. Yeah. They also have horns, though. But they have horns. They have horns like cows. Yeah. Or, but like, other animals. They're not all animals. like cows because they describe theirs at one as point a bull as a bullhorned lion air. Yeah. yeah. So, therefore, presumably other kinds of horns also exist. And I think one of, I think, like, the snow leopard air that Anand rides has, like, horns along its back, yeah. too. Yeah. I just, like, want to know what they look like. Um, well, I have good news for you. <laughs> yes. Which is that Fox has bought movie rights to oh, this. Oh, interesting. And Tommy Adeyemi is ca- counseling on it. Cool. So, uh, I'm um, so excited. Yeah, th- this will be a beautiful film. Will it will be a beautiful film? Yeah, It'll be so good. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, when she wants Idris Elba to be uh, Saren, oh. the king, because she knows how to get me to watch a movie. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> yes, yeah. There's there's a lot of kind of throwing you in and expecting you to catch up. Yeah, but which I find very interesting. I find that it works with yeah. the way magic appears in this book because that's mm. really what it is for Zaley, right? Like she's had a little oh, bit of teaching yeah. from her mother, but for the most part, it's kind of like here's this magic, mm-hmm. swim. And I feel like yeah. with this world, it's kind of like here's this world, swim. That's a really interesting. Yeah, but also at the same time, if I say dragon. Yes. You know what a dragon looks like. That's true. Because a dragon is so entrenched in our mythology. Yes. And I do think there's something kind of fun about her treating her mythological world as something that we would be <laughs> as casually as we treat in. our yeah. fantasy worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I... Um, I and first, again, I don't know if lion airs come out of Nigerian myth. Yeah, or if <laughs> um, she made them up. Yeah, yeah I, don't I don't know that. Know. But I... I can appreciate it from that angle. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, at first it made me uncomfortable. And then I was like, this is kind of cool. But I like that. I hadn't thought of that specifically. And that is very neat. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes a lot of sense. But it is also, it's, I, I like I like the parallel that you're drawing between us kind of having to orient ourselves in this world and them having to orient themselves to magic. Because mm-hmm. that is, I mean, it's just so like sort of heartbreaking to think about like, yeah, none of th- they're all having kind of figured out from scratch because all of the people that should have taught them were murdered. Yeah, I find myself making parallels, and again, this is just me drawing connections. I haven't like, yeah. I don't know if Adeyemi had this connection on purpose or anything. Mm-hmm. I expect she did, but I, I find myself thinking about the um, people who were kidnapped from West Africa and enslaved in the Americas or in Britain because mm-hmm. it happened there too. Yeah, um, who were off like sometimes kidnapped as children or yeah. separated from their parents as children and and also had to kind of figure figure out, out spirituality and and mm-hmm. myth and culture and history yeah i mean there yeah. are so many parallels to various cultural genocides perpetuated yeah, by like i was I don't know if I was thinking of this so I was reading it or just right now, but it also has parallels to residential school system of mm-hmm. just sort of completely alienating people from their spirituality and heritage. And, Certainly. Yeah. Well, even like, so I'm of Armenian descent mm-hmm. and um, my great grandfather lost a family in okay. the genocide. We know nothing about them. We don't know how many children he had. We just know that he lost a family. Yeah. He left Armenia. He started a new family and he never talked about it. So yeah. nobody in my family learned Armenian. Okay. Um 
we have very, very few artifacts left Mm -hmm. (laughs) from Armenia. Like, we really kind of, the family history just vanished. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things I've been doing in this kind of spiritual quest (laughs) that you guys are getting to hear a whole lot about (laughs) because I've been really, like, interacting Mm -hmm. with it is finding pre-Christian Armenia and finding, like, what that mythology was and thankfully one of my mm. close friends and one of our patrons Lizzie Tenhoff is a classicist and she oh, was cool. able to kind of help me out and point in that direction but like mm-hmm. yeah it's um it's so profound it's mm-hmm. so profound to be connecting with history and connecting with myth yeah and uh yeah I mean I hadn't mm-hmm. made the like descendant of genocide connection and now I am and it's like hitting me it's really resonating yeah. with me okay I mean right. any any more point there's so there's so much there's so many things to talk we about I mean the but there's so much yeah because I mean we decided to kind of focus on it as a fantasy yeah. and we've touched on of course all the cultural commentary that is in here but I mean there's so much more that could be unpacked but yeah it's great mm-hmm. um the relationships are so good and they're so complex and I love the friendship that ultimately develops between the two oh, main we didn't female even, characters. Oh my god, we didn't even talk about friendship in um, this book. I think it's also really interesting how there's one character who basically, like, his... He personifies um, how good the powers that be are at convincing, like, fundamentally fairly reasonable and decent people that genocide and oppression and mm-hmm. etc. are the good and right thing to necessary. do. Necessary, yeah. And necessary, yeah. Um, and so that is so well done. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. there's there. I feel like we could spend, a, like, oh, a month just yeah, talking yeah. about this no, It's such a good book. <laughs> and I was going to read the afterword, um, mm-hmm. but I think, I'm, I think I'm not. Okay. I think I'm just going to encourage you to read the afterword. Yeah, and to um, think about because it. Because I do think it's, it's the most powerful if you read it right after finishing the book. Yeah. <laughs> it made me cry. Oh. Yeah. This book made me cry. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, now, in a fun twist, I just noticed this right as we were about to start. <laughs> the uh, the last review on the back of this hardcover copy, which is mm-hmm. so beautiful, which it's I have gorgeous, here in my hands, yeah. and it's so beautiful, and it's such a beautiful book. The final um, review is by Danielle Clayton who is the author of The Bells, which is the book the we book will be reading next. next. <laughs> and that will be the fourth one in our um, Black History Month series, mm-hmm. uh, which will which take is extending us, into April. carrying us fine. to the end, yeah, <laughs> into April. Um, but you know what? Every month could be Black History Month. Yeah, I mean, I feel yeah. really good about yeah, yeah, not confining it to February. <laughs> so, um, yeah. We also have uh, some exciting news that I cannot give a whole lot of information about, but I can give a little bit of information about. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the next episode, we'll be able to give you like the full rundown on. We are partnering with Yafest Montreal this yeah. year, and uh, we are not allowed to be promoting with details until April. But uh, uh-huh. we are working with them. It's very exciting. Mm-hmm. The lineup of authors is really cool. I have seen it. I'm not allowed mm-hmm. to tell you anything about it, but I have seen it, and it's cool. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a great event. So uh, if you're in Montreal, it's going to be May 26th at the Jewish Public Library. Mm-hmm. If you're not in Montreal, honestly... It's still going to be there, so you like, should just come. Still going to be there. We're, Montreal in May is lovely. It's beautiful. We're going to be very invested. I will, like, have a drink with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hannah won't be in town, but I yeah, will be. I, um, I'm going to try to be in town if I can okay. be, in which case I will also join you for that drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, if you have the chance, yeah. come on out. It, it's going to be really 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 great Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, very exciting. It was awesome last year, and I can only assume it'll be even more awesome this year because it's not the first year they're doing it. Thanks for listening to Yeah. If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at yapodcast and individually at tefferbear and at thebalesosaurus. I'm going to jump in here and say, also follow us on Instagram. I'm trying to to increase our Instagram following right now because Mm -hmm. it's our lowest followed social media. Yeah. So if you're on Instagram, come check us out at The App Podcast. Mm -hmm. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shout outs, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Chantal Thomas. Catherine McGuire, Catherine Resch, and Lizzie Tenhove. I have to put in a little apology here. Catherine Resch, I think I've been saying your name wrong for the last, like, several weeks. I'm really sorry. (laughs) I will uh, try to do better now. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Tee Public. There's going to be a merch sale from March 20th to 24th, so check that out you can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on stitcher or apple podcasts if you do that uh this week uh let us know that you've hit one and we will um give you a little shout out yeah we'll be so happy and by sharing this episode with a friend who uh likes fantasy or busting up oppression or decolonizing their practices Mm -hmm. or you know books uh, special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Hi, I'm Mel. And I'm Sass. And we're the host of The Last Stretch, a sports podcast. It's a podcast where we're going to talk about, well, sports. Specifically, what we do look at is what makes an athlete be the best that they can be. So not only do we talk to some athletes, but we talk to the people behind the athletes, from trainers to sports psychologists, you name it, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about other issues revolving sports as well, hot button issues like concussions, maybe doping. Give us a listen. Find us wherever you get your podcasts.